Welcome to the Multifamily Five, where industry experts provide raw information about how they are achieving success in the current market conditions. And now, your host, Dallas-based real estate broker, Mark Allen. And welcome to the Multifamily Five. Today, I have Lane Bean with Pilot Legacy Private Equity Group. Lane, how's it going? Mark, I'm doing good. Thank you to you and for giving me this opportunity to share with your audience what I think I've learned in multifamily, and I'm looking forward to helping them increase their knowledge and experience so that they can become a better millionaire. <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, Lane and I uh, met each other a couple years ago, and uh, we have something in common. We both went to military academies. We both played football at the military <clears throat> academies. Lane went to the United States Air Force Academy, and I to the United States Military Academy. So Army versus Air Force, uh, brothers and sisters on the battlefield and the airfield, uh, but not on the gridiron. So, uh, but Lane and I have uh, uh, developed a friendship, and we seem to cross paths quite a bit. Uh, haven't done business together, but um, hope to do so in the future. So excited to have this conversation with you today, Lane. Thank you, Mark, for that kind introduction. And just to let you know that when I graduated in 1991, our record against Air Army football was three and one. We were victorious on three occasions of my four-year academy career, and we lost my uh, sophomore year. My senior year, we did beat Army, we did beat Navy, and uh, one of the highlights of my sport career was we did win the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy for the 1991 season and got to visit President Bush Sr. in the White House in the Rose Garden. So uh, utmost respect for all Service Academy members, our service members at large in your audience there, and certainly to uh, the West Point, the Annapolis, and Air Force Academy football alumni. So hats off to Mr. Mark. Yeah, and Lane, thanks for your tenured service as well. Um, just retired Lane was, uh, formerly actually Lane, I'm not going to go into this cause I won't do it justice. So with that Lane Bean, do you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Love to 28 years in the United States air force, uh, and air force reserves. Uh, I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. I spent 10 years on active duty and then the past 18 years in the air force reserves working on the West side of Fort Worth. And there during those glorious 28 years, I was fortunate enough to fly uh, the majority of that time uh, in the F-16 and accru accrued almost five or over 5,000 hours uh, in the Air Force. And so it was just a great uh, career. And I really, really enjoyed it and was honored to serve in that capacity. I learned quite a bit about leadership. I learned quite a bit about execution. Uh, the keys to success at that level are attention to detail and um, treating people with respect, being a good leader. And I think I've been able to transition some of those things into my business skills. And uh, about 15 years ago, I started to side hustle real estate. I started with one single family home and turned that into a small portfolio of single family homes and then transitioned from single family to multifamily one project um, and then I turn that into uh, multiple projects now and I have I'm a part of either the primary sponsor or the general partnership 
of seven projects right now. Uh, and there's about 800 units that are in that portfolio. And the portfolio is probably just short of $50 million. And in addition to that, I've raised uh, an ec private equity, probably about 20 million. So that's kind of a very short synopsis of my credentials. Okay. So you've been through more than one cycle. You started, you said 15 years ago. So what's, where are you at? So what do you think about this, the state of the market? We are, as of next month, one of the longest runs um, in history for this economic cycle. So what are your thoughts on the market? Good question, Mark. And I know that this is widely discussed and there's a lot of speculation on just the timing. And I've heard, you know, year after year, people profess that we're in the eighth inning of a ninth inning game. But each year, people continue to say that. And the demographics and the uh, national trends continue to be on an upward uh, trend and upward climb. And so, um, it's a little difficult to go against that long history of uptrend, but at the same time, it's contrary to look at the current uh, economy, look at the current unemployment rate, look at the national trends, and say that it's not a, still a strong market. Certainly the pricing and acquisition pricing that we see in the Dallas-Fort Worth market continues to show very strong uh, interest in multifamily, and so it's we're really kind of in a contra in a in a contradiction point where the length of the real estate cycle makes people speculative that it could turn back because obviously at some point it will have an adjustment. But if you look at the demographics of job movement, employment rates, job growth, that's contrary to people's recommendations that the cycle has extended too long. So I don't really have a very good answer for you. But my personal philosophy is as long as the market trends continue to show upward, then I'm going to follow those trends and not be a doubter uh, and just go against the trends because of the length of the cycle. Okay. We'll talk about trends in just a second, but you said you raised $20 million in private equity. Um, how are your investors uh, return expectations or what are investor expectations at this point in the market cycle? Boy, boy, that's a great question, Mark. And, um, and I think this is maybe for the things we kind of in our pre show discussion discussed, this may be the most important thing for investors that are in your audience to hear from my point of view, my opinion is four or five years ago, the market and the investor expectations were much different than they are today. Uh, four or five years ago, as the uh, price of rental growth and the pace that the rents were growing was on a very positive upward trend, and the pricing that you could buy these projects for was on a flatter trend or it was more of a plateau. But now that is in some ways reversed so that the rent growth year-over-year -year rent growth has flattened out because it's just topped close to the single-family homes and the affordability factor. But at the same time, the pricing for these assets has continued to grow. And I'm speaking specifically of the Texas market. I know that your podcast may go nationally, but in some of these areas may be different. But in the North Texas area, what I've seen is that description that I just uh, mentioned has caused 
the investor's margin and investor's profits to be thinned out and to be uh, reduced. So the question was, what are the expectations that investors should have today? It's much less. So you're going to get a lower return and your holding period is going to be longer than it was this time four years ago. So with changing trends, how are you adjusting maybe your investment philosophy um, or operations? So what, you know, what do you have going on? What kind of projects are you working on? Yeah, another great question, Mark. We always have to be nimble as a business owner to look forward into what the current investment strategies allow and where the advantages and disadvantages can be taken. You know in the military and your military background and with my military background, the things that we prepare for missions, this is the order that we take those in. We first look at the target. What is our objective? Uh, and how many people do we need to uh, capture that? What do we need to do for that? So the number one thing is the target. The number two thing is the threat. The number three thing is what assets do we have? And then the number four thing is, is what is going to be our tactic? So the question you asked me was, hey, in the real estate game, what is your tactic? And how has that changed? Well, you always have to be nimble because there's some variables that go into your tactic and that's what you have to do in real estate. So how has my tactic changed? Well, three years ago when I was describing earlier the rent growth versus the price appreciation, well, you could buy a value add project, which was my primary strategy and primary tactic to buy a value add project go in, make repairs, renovations, make improvements, and then you could accelerate the rents to get a good investor return. However, today's market, from what I see and the deals that I have evaluated, the price that you can now buy what is often coined value add or core plus strategy is so high that it is difficult to buy it at that price make any improvements necessary, and then drive rents up enough to get any type of return. So it's much more difficult to find and qualify a project that is value add and continue to execute that strategy. So to me, my observation and my experiences are that particular strategy in some ways is no longer effective. And it forced me to look at one, either staying on the bench and not putting money at play, keeping your money in the bank account, or stay out of the game for such a long time and not have any deals accepted two to three years between each deal, again, keeping your money on the sideline. And so it caused me to pivot. And what I did was I looked around at how the market conditions changed and then I looked around at the governmental policies and came up with the idea that, hey, developing projects may be as cost effective or cost uh, beneficial than it is to buy existing projects. And so I shifted my strategy based on market conditions, based on my financial uh, return criteria, and based on the team to a development idea. And so that the idea of developing a property 
versus buying an existing property is in some ways similar talents and skills, but in many ways it's different. Certainly the hurdles for development are more are higher than they are to buy an existing. The risk is higher too. But what we what we're finding is in some areas it's almost um, more beneficial to build a brand new project than it is to buy a class B project, or you can almost you can almost buy them at the same price point. So a very long answer to your question. I apologize. Let me sum it up with this one sentence is I have shifted my strategy from buying value add existing projects to developing new projects. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. I think I'm selling a deal right now for $140 a foot. I think you can build it for a hundred dollars a foot, you know, say the land's another, six, seven, eight dollars a foot. So yeah. and let me combine that mark with this point too, because this is a significant point is if I was, if I was to communicate something that was very critical, I'd ask your investors to listen to, or your audience to listen to these two points, because this is what I coin the two principal foundational points to build net worth. Okay. Number one is efficiently place your capital in cash producing assets that increase in value. Okay. okay point one, I'm going to reiterate that because it's so important and I'll explain it in just one second. Point one, again, efficiently place capital in cash producing assets that increase in value. Point two is stage capital events for tax advantaged transactions. Okay, I'm going to repeat that because it's so important. Stage capital events for tax advantaged transactions. So if you'll give me just one second, let me explain that because I do think this is the key to, to net worth and key to real estate success. Yeah. I said, hey, first thing you need to do is efficiently place your capital and cash producing assets and increase in value. So in other words, if you, Mark, have a single family project or a single family house mm -hmm. that you've been able to measure a 9% cash on cash return. That's good. But you can reinvest that money in a, another single family project, or let's say a multifamily project and get a 16% return. Well, that's a 9% arbitrage. That's a 9% increase with the same capital. You need to continually evaluate that and you need to continually take action when you see the opportunity to increase or more efficiently place your capital. That makes sense? That makes sense. And then the second part of that is as you evaluate those upgrades or a, a placement of capital, you need to be very aware of, and if possible, stage those capital events so that they are tax advantaged. Okay, and what I mean by that is a 1031 exchange, uh, some other type of capital loss that year or depreciation event perhaps, or in my case, okay, we are pairing a development project, like we mentioned earlier, because of the uh, strategy pivot with a tax advantaged transaction, which is now called opportunity zones. And that was, uh, that was authorized by the 2017 uh, tax cut job acts bill that this administration signed. And then they allow you some tremendous, okay, tax incentives if you reinvest that capital 
in an opportunity zone. And uh, it's almost like legal money laundering, okay? But it's completely in the middle of the street. In fact, the government encourages you to do it. So that's my strategy. That's, uh, that's the pivot that I've made. And I think it's very smart to communicate to your investors that second, first point one, of course, but that's a little bit more common. But the second point is staging capital events, buy and sell property is obviously one of those uh, for tax advantaged transactions. And Lane, do you want to go into the project that you have underway in the Austin uh, MSA? The Opportunity right. Zone project. I mean, I, I think it's something that I'm looking into too as I sell off some single family rentals. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great project, one that I'm really, really excited about. And so we, we prospected for this particular project. And this project is a development project down just on the outskirts of Austin, Texas. It's 320 units. It's going to be middle market, which is the new term for a working class family. And we're going to develop this project on 18 uh, acres, just about 10 miles to the northeast of Austin, Texas. This is also in a combined oppor or uh, qualified opportunity zone. So we have a business plan of holding this 10 years, and that is the required length to qualify for the opportunity zone tax benefits. The good thing about this is it's a standalone great investment. And then when, we're pair, when we pair it with the Opportunity Zone tax incentives, it makes a good investment fantastic. And uh, so the, just the essentials of it, it's a 50 or $48 million project, 320 units, all sized one, two, and three bedrooms. It's in a dynamic market in the seventh fastest growing suburb of the nation, Maynard, Texas, 10 miles outside of Austin. It's on Highway 290, which makes the southern leg of the Texas Triangle. And the Highway 290 is the major thoroughfare between uh, Austin and Houston. And we have about a quarter mile of frontage on that highway. There's 70,000 cars a day that travel along that highway. And so it's a really good location. The market's very strong. And the project itself, uh, we have a 6% preferred return. We have a leveraged cash on cash return over the course of the holding period of almost 12%. We have a levered IRR of almost 22%. And we have a equity multiple of 4.6. So that basically means that for every dollar an investor gives us at the end of the holding period, they'll get back that equity multiple. So it's, I'm very excited about it. It's a great standalone development project. And then when we couple it, like I mentioned, by staging our capital uh, in the right place for the tax advantages, it's what I call uh, the real estate term, boom shakalaka. <laughs> Do you know what the actual IRR is on uh, deferring capital gains? So if you were to actually take advantage of the opportunity zone benefits. I'm sure it's gotta be boosted by quite a bit. Yeah, it's, that's a hard question to answer, Mark, because everybody's capital tax situation is slightly different, but uh, I have seen the numbers that I did not calculate, but it's almost a 30% increase in the return because 
Uh, let's say that you're in a 20% capital gains position. Well, you're going to be able to, if you stage your capital correctly, you're going to be able to save 20%. So immediately it's a 20% and much, uh, and possibly much higher. Okay. And I spoke to a friend last week and he was looking at some land right off 290. And man, he said, just talk, he's from San Francisco and it was a small, you know, residential, I think it was uh, 1.5 acres, but um, at a pretty good price. But anyways, talking to some friends that live in Austin, they say it's booming um, out east on 290. So all the growth seems to be heading uh, towards Manor. So that's great. I'm sure you're really excited about that project as I am. And let me just kind of give you some actual numbers here, just so you can you can get the wow factor or your audience can get the wow factor is the uh, opportunity zones. And, and, and we can go into this more detail or people can email me or look online and learn about this, but we're planning to over a 10 year period uh, have almost $57,000 in uh, $57 million in equity gain. So value gain over the course of 10 years. And if that, is the opportunity zone staged correctly for your capital that 57 million dollars passes to you tax exempt zero taxes or your pro rata share of it would and that's what the government is incentivizing uh private investors to recapitalize these economically depressed or uh, economically depressed areas in identified opportunity zones and in our area it's not really economically depressed. It's just a rural area that the economy and the swell of activity and development is beginning to overtake. So it's a great, great location, project, market. And like I said, for your audience, is it's a great return. So that's the thing that uh, all those together make it really, really uh, positive. Okay. So you're you're getting ahead of the trend with regard to opportunity zones. You're you're a uh, uh, entering first into that space uh, among some others. But uh, let's talk about disruptive technology. And uh, I know you know you you have an operating background in um, you know the B and C space, and even even that space is changing with regard to technology. Uh, but even more so in the Class A communities. Um, where it's just a complete different operational um, uh, space there in Class A. So, you know, what are you seeing today in the market that you think is starting to enter and could potentially disrupt um, the market here in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, this is a great question, Mark. And I think every operator that owns property, uh, whether it be single family, multifamily, or if you're a limited partner and you're investing in projects, that are either existing or new or you're just interested in the market is we have to kind of be very nimble as operators and look at what's happened to some of these major major businesses like uh kmart sears jc pennies that a decade ago dominated their areas uh taxi cabs hotel chains video stores you know they were blocked they were tremendous businesses with franchises in every city and community and they got disrupted by technology that they never saw coming well in the multifamily space if you've looked at construction design and the way that new homes will be constructed in the future 
you look at the way you, utilities are managed and will be managed in the future. You look at the way that the core systems like plumbing, electrical, HVAC are managed now and the way that automation will allow them to be managed in the future, smart home technology, video door knobs, uh, video you know, doorbells, this sort of thing, security systems. You know, this is just the way that it's going to be. We can put our head in the sand and say, well, that's too expensive for me to implement. But if you don't do that, then your project's going to be much like Blockbuster Pinos and you're going to try to be selling VCR tapes when nobody even has a VCR player anymore. I don't have all the answers to your questions, Mark. If I did, then I would uh, be picking stocks right now and sitting in Hawaii. But I can only tell you with uh, good assurance that technology going forward will change the way that uh, the population works, the way the population lives, the expectations for when they come home. You know, they're going to be, they're going to want to have some type of smart technology where they can adjust their blinds, adjust the intensity of their lights, adjust the thermostat remotely. They're going to want to have these features. Uh, to me, that is just a hard assumption that I know is coming in the next 10 years. And as an operator, if we're not nimble enough or we're not budgeting those sorts of ideas into our project, then we're going to be much like um, a home with no indoor plumbing. It's got an outhouse. Uh, it's going to be that dysfunctional. Because I can tell you this, I've got uh, kids that are uh, in college now, and if when they're home during the summer like they are now, I could literally turn the plumbing off in my house and they wouldn't know it or they wouldn't object to it. But if I turn the Wi-Fi off or I turn the uh, computer off, they would have an immediate uh, revolt and a mutiny on my hands. And so going forward in the next decade, I'm just absolutely convinced that technology will disrupt what we're doing. Let me give an example. Mm -hmm. We work space. You know, in the future, just like you and I are doing right now through Zoom and through you're going to be sending this podcast out, communications are going to become more efficient and more effective and more productive. So I don't need to drive all the way to Dallas to visit with you. I can visit with you as productively via communication uh, application as we can face-to-face. -face. That's going to change the way people work. And so they're going to be working more from home. The Wi-Fi or 5G capability is going to be absolutely essential. If you don't have that on your project or you don't have that in your uh, property, then your property is going to be obsolete and it's going to have the literal outhouse instead of indoor plumbing. Additionally, look at the way people shop now. The majority don't go to the store. The majority buy packages. So you're going to have to be able to manage the traffic for package delivery, pickup, and security at your project. If you don't have that, then people, that's going to be a $10, $15, price change, or your vacancy is going to really be affected because the person across the street has that. And I could go on and on and on, but the point is, is when you have a new property that you're developing, like we're developing this property called the Grassdale in Austin, is you can implement this thing from design and it costs almost nothing to implement that. But with an existing property, it's very difficult sometimes to go back and retrofit those features that are part of the design or part of the uh, infrastructure. And so that owner, and I'm an owner of existing properties too, Mark, I know you are, and I know all the audience is, 
is you're going to have to just come up with a solution to that. And I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but if you stick your head in the sand and say, well, we can't afford it, so let's just press on. Well, that's what taxi cabs industry did. That's what Blockbuster did. That's what JCPenney's did. And look at the results that, uh, that have happened to them. Great. Well, Lane, thanks so much for the time. What's the best way for the listeners to get in touch with you to discuss more about what you have going on or um, you know, your thoughts and feelings on technology, the market, and more? Yeah, thank you, Mark, for that. Yeah, I would love to talk to any uh, of your investors. You know, I said uh, I started side hustling real estate 15 years ago in single family and then multifamily value add strategy. And then I've, I've pivoted to, you know, development projects with tax incentives. So any of those areas I'll be, uh, I would love and be delighted to help your audience um, become better or, or share what I've learned from that. My strategy, and I greet everybody this, with this terms, is uh, multi-millionaires, millionaires, or future millionaires. My uh, objective is to help you become a better millionaire. So uh, anything that I can do to help you, I would love to do that. The best way to reach me is via our email or via our website. I'll give you the website first. I'll spell it for you, and then I'll give you my email if you'd like to contact me there also. Our website is www.pilot-legacy.com. And then my email address is lane.beene at pilot-legacy.com. So pilot-legacy.com is how you can get a hold of me. All right, Lane, thanks so much for the time, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Mark. Good luck to you and your audience.